Hi, hello, and welcome to K Out and About, the podcast about my random travel occurrences. This is still season one, episode 26. Some more British quirks and what I miss. So this episode is sort of a part two to the one before. I will continue ranting uh, about things that, you know, you may experience only in Britain. Uh, But this time I will also focus a little bit more on the pros from the pros and cons list for the UK. However, I will start with complaining about complaining. The Brits claim they don't, but they do all the time. Just a recent example, in my last job, I was getting calls from different nations. And some of the calls with the dialing code plus 44 were the toughest ones for me to handle, as people on the other side of the phone were starting on an already high level of anger, expecting, you know, to having to have a fight with me. So straight from the get-go, your bags are shit, your service is shit, uh, I'm having a bad day, and it's all your fault. Now, other nations sometimes called, and it was a slightly different level. It was, oh my God, I'm desperate, something happened, can you help me? You hear the difference, right? Now, on the flip side of that, it has created an amazing customer service culture in the UK. The staff bending over backwards to make customers happy. You need to mention, you know, just something if there was a problem or an issue. And they'll give you a voucher, a discount code, a free drink, maybe a free dessert. Obviously, provided there was something wrong. And I miss that a lot. A few years ago, I was in a restaurant in Copenhagen and the waitress spilled oil on my top. Of course, she said, oh, sorry, apologies. But that was pretty much it. I spent half an hour in the bathroom in my bra washing the top and then sitting in my coat because the top had to dry. And there was no compensation. Like they were looking at me like, are you still having a problem? You you see the difference there, right? I, I miss I miss the customer service, I must say. Now, other British things that surprised me a little bit and that I'm maybe not entirely on board with, as you can expect. Food-wise, I have already mentioned breakfast in the previous episode, and I could add to that things like Marmite and Weetabix, blah. I often felt that the good food in the UK, because you can find good food in the UK, but it feels like it all came from outside the British Isles. For example, India. Now, going back to the Brits, I mean, they put mayonnaise into sandwiches instead of butter or margarine. Is it just me or is that a bit weird? Okay, I don't use mayonnaise at all. So it could be just me, but is it? Is it though? But if we're on with, on the topic of sandwiches, something very unhealthy, but very handy at the same time. Pre-made sandwiches. You can find them everywhere. All the coffee shops, all the supermarkets, gas stations, rest stops. They're everywhere. Again, here the flavor choice, although wide, it's again prawn mayonnaise, tuna mayonnaise, tuna sweet corn, seafood cocktail. 
but they also have like, you know, chicken with bacon. So you, you can always find something that you like. And while we're on uh, stuff you can buy in supermarkets, well, actually that thing, I think it's spreading a little bit wider than just the UK because I think the Americans have the same problem and it might be happening in some other countries too. Christmas stuff in supermarkets around September. Seriously, can't we just wait until November? I mean, do I need to be reminded in September that the end of the year is coming and I'm running out of time for whatever goals I've set myself? No, I really don't. So please keep the Christmas stuff until November. Now, if we're still in the supermarkets, let's talk about one of my favorite products, my favorite choice of a drink, and that is tea. Now, in most supermarkets on the continent, we have much bigger selection of teas than in any shop in the UK I've been to. Shocking for a supposedly tea-drinking nation. There's a total lack of variety. PG Tips, Yorkshire Tea, Tetley's and Twinings for those who can afford it. That's pretty much it. I mean, I drink more tea during the day and more different kinds of tea than any British person I've ever met. And to be completely honest, I usually, apart from, you know, the black tea, I would buy my teas back home in Poland and just smuggle them over to London because you can't find like, you know, orange with mint or Melissa with mint or I don't know, raspberry and strawberry mix. You know, sometimes I feel like a little bit fruity tea, but no, not in the UK. Well, maybe now things have changed, hopefully. Now, one day an amazing thing happened. I went to either Starbucks or Costa, one of those. And I asked for tea. Then I got the standard question. Well, at, at least they started asking, because usually, I think I mentioned that in a previous episode sometime, that they don't fill up the cup because they are kind of leaving you space for milk. But if you don't add milk, you're getting less tea. So the girl actually asked me if I wanted some space for milk. I eagerly said, like, no, 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 no. And the girl looked at me and asked, would you like a slice of lemon with it? And I looked at her with disbelief, almost crying. I got so emotional and just screamed out, yes, please. So I think Central Europeans have revolutionized London coffee shops a little bit. You know, every little helps. Now, in some circles, London is also known for shopping, not of the supermarket kind. It can be pricey. I once saw a stunning dress in a window and I'm not a dress person. Well, sometimes, but this was a work of art. And one day I finally got enough courage, you know, to go in and try it on. What a mistake. First, it, you know, it didn't look that good on me. I, I was too short pretty much, or I just wasn't wearing sort of high, high heels high enough. So some of it was just dragging on the floor. Secondly, once I had it on, I checked the price. Never do that. It was over a thousand pounds and I was covered in cold sweat in seconds. I started unzipping it, of course panicked. My hands were shaking, so it didn't go very well. 
it took me probably I don't know it was it was probably only like 15 maybe 30 seconds it felt like eternity because yeah I did not have that much money to spend on a dress and not to mention I didn't have a place to wear that dress to but of course it's London so you have plenty of options to shop some of you may have heard about Primark so-called Primani as a joke TK Maxx, charity shops on every corner and seasonal sales pretty much all year round. Like you go to a shop, you see what you like, just come back in a week or two, there's gonna be a sale. And Argos, oh, the joys of Argos. There should be a company like that in every country. What is Argos, you ask? Well, let me tell you about Argos. Pretty much every single household in the UK receives a massive, and I mean like a brickload, massive catalogue. In it, you find anything your soul desires, from jewellery to bed linen, through mirrors for your bathroom, a knife set for the kitchen, and whatever else you may need, like toys, it's probably everything apart from drugs and alcohol, I'm thinking. Well, cigarettes either. Anyway, you pick what you like. You can write down the uh, item number that you've chosen. And then you go to Argos shop. They are in a lot of places. They're easy to find. Uh, you type in the machine the item, the number for the item that you picked. You pay for it. Then you sit down and wait five minutes until the item you purchased arrives on a conveyor belt. Because those shops, they don't have displays. Hence, stuff there is actually quite cheap. So you can buy, well, the quality, hmm, let's say you can be lucky with quality, but not always. Uh, but still, because they don't have to spend money on displaying stuff, it's just a warehouse behind the, the wall, the stuff can be cheaper because they don't need such a big margin. And I do honestly think there should be a shop like that in every country because you don't know. You arrive somewhere maybe for a month, maybe for a few months, and you need, I don't know, uh, a pillow or a chair. You can just go to Argos and buy a cheap one and just leave it behind and not spend a lot of money, um, you know, just because there isn't really anything else. And chairs could be expensive. So... Apart from the expensive and the very expensive, like the thousand pound dress, there is the cheap, super cheap and super, super cheap. A lot depends on, you know, what you want from the quality of life and the stuff that you buy. That broadness of options is one of the things that I miss from the UK, especially right now that I'm living in Sweden, where everything is just expensive. But I will talk more about it in an episode about moving to Sweden. Coming soon. Clothing. I might have mentioned that already. Hardly ever weather appropriate. You can stand at a train station on a platform, look around, and there's, there's always a dude in flip-flops and shorts and a t-shirt. Doesn't matter what time of the year. Standing next to a person in a coat, hat, scarf, and gloves. You know, it's just, you don't know. You really don't know. And it seems like Brits are very uh, weather resistant. Uh, they also have a lot of words for crappy weather. Now, the next thing I'm going to talk about is has been a tiny bit of a nuisance for me too. I'm talking about the country drop down. 
on a website, when you're buying something, sending something, filling out a form, sometimes you have to choose a country of residence or destination, whatever. Now, <laughs> people in London, for example, never can know if it's going to be England, United Kingdom, Britain, Great Britain. What is it going to be? You have to scroll and check. And also... Now, there is a difference between UK and GB, so United Kingdom and Great Britain. And I knew there was that difference. Um, however, I forgot what it was. So I Googled it, especially for this episode. So the official name is the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Meaning Northern Ireland is not in Great Britain. So it's kind of must be awkward when now during the Tokyo Olympics there's team GB and I don't know can people from North, like you know from Northern Ireland participate or not really I think they can because it's actually United Kingdom it just doesn't sound as you know maybe it was just a marketing things like team UK team GB I don't know and also there's some islands, the Channel Islands, and I have no idea if they belong to the UK or if they only belong to Great Britain or they don't belong to anything. No clue. Also, everybody outside of the UK kind of uses UK or Great Britain as synonyms and it's sort of more whatever is more used within a country. So in Poland, we use Great Britain, the translation for Great Britain. Sweden, um and for example, Germany, that would be Storbritannien, Großbritannien, so Great Britain again. But if you go to Spain, that's going to be Reino Unido, so United Kingdom. So you've got different options. And I must say, I'm guessing probably at universities, if somebody's writing a PhD, it matters. It's very important, that difference. But in everyday life, uh, people kind of just use it what's more convenient. Now, what I will definitely miss is the cultural life in London. No matter what day of the week, you could go to a concert, to the theatre, to see a play, a stand-up stand comedian, um, some exhibitions, and do other random stuff. On top of that, you could always see someone famous. Like, I already mentioned who I saw in the hotel, but I have seen artists perform that I never thought I would. I've seen Sergio Mendes, Juanes, Gustavo Cerati before he went into coma and died. Marisa Kajik, who is actually Polish, but I never saw him in Poland. Red Hot Chili Peppers and many more. So, yes, it, you know, something's always going on in London. You can never be bored, really, there. Also, the five airports. If you want to fly anywhere in the world, you only had to buy the ticket and just go and I miss those airports. And I miss those travels. Oh yeah, and I also miss a well-paid job thanks to which I could afford these travels. But hey, you know, life. Another positive thing is that people in the UK, and I'm guessing it could be more up north, but I'm not entirely sure, they're super helpful. And it has rubbed off on me. I haven't noticed, but my friends back home have said that they've noticed a change. I'll give you an example. Let's say I'm walking down the street and I see someone standing at the bus stop, but I know this bus stop is not, is out of use. The, the bus is not going to stop there for whatever reason. The bus is going a different route or, you know, there's roadworks, yada, yada, yada. 
I would approach that person and say, oh, well, by the way, you would have to go to either this or this bus stop because the bus won't stop here. So I volunteer information to strangers without being prompted because it could help them. I don't think I would have done that before I lived in the UK. I don't know. But uh, as I said, my friends have noticed the difference and I kind of mellowed out. Like I'm less aggressive now, although I still do complain a lot. But that's a Polish thing. There's one more thing that I will always appreciate, especially now. The healthcare. It wasn't perfect, by no means, but I have to admit, it was pretty good in comparison. Visiting uh, your GP was for free, and if you had a chronic health problem, like I do, you could get your prescribed medication for free. Contraception was free. Although, again, not perfect. Uh, I'll give you an example. Before I registered with a GP, I ran out of my contraceptive pills. Someone advised me to go to this, you know, family planning clinic and just ask for a prescription. Okay, all good, dandy. Except I went there after work and I worked nights, so my blood pressure was high because I was dead tired and running on adrenaline. And the woman said she cannot give me the pills I, I normally take because my blood pressure was too high. So I was kind of expecting, okay, a blood test maybe? Uh, no, she just shoved me a bag full of condoms and a pack of pills that had a completely different hormone setup than the ones I was using and just said, yeah, good luck. Well, the good thing after that was that I actually went and signed up with a GP, got my blood tested, and then I got the pills that were correct for me. So all good. And also a few years ago, I decided to get the contraceptive implant. And again, that was all for free. I just had to make appointment, get it and done. Now that I live in Sweden, uh, I will need to change the implant, I think in a few months. So yeah, let's see how much that will cost here because uh, I don't think it's going to be for free. As you can see, uh, or here rather, there are a few things I miss about the UK, I admit. Um, I'm guessing it was also very noticeable in this little rant, or actually a rant and a half, that, you know, on the pros and cons list, the, there are a lot more cons. So, oh yeah, and I did not even go into media or politics, or the fact that you have to pay uh, to go to university, and the whole education system is actually flawed uh, for me. Um, that's just my opinion. And now they've decided to make to level the playing uh, the playing field that kids uh, in just random state schools will start le learning latin because the posh kids are learning latin just stop making kids learn latin for god's sakes really who needs it anyway i'll finish my rant right now so yeah i did not go in deep into all these topics and so i have decided to move change the landscape and this is how I ended up here in Sweden, which is another saga of pros and cons that I will, of course, share with you because you deserve a warning. But that's it for today. The next episode will hopefully come soon, and I'm planning to call it What the British Say. I'll talk more about the language, mainly some interesting phrases from working environment, but also some slang. Thanks for listening, and until next time. Yeah. <laughs>